Welcome to another edition of the Jesco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri. And Mark Wyatt has a flat tire this week and he won't be joining us. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. There'll be tales from the Ragbri Nation. There'll be tales about, you know, cycling from all over the globe pretty much. Um, so basically, you know, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, leave with a smile. That's some Rado here at the Jesco Bike Podcast. So I'm flying solo, riding solo today. That's okay. You know, every once in a while, both Mark and I can't be on the podcast. So Mark's a little bit under the weather. So I'm, I'm just flying solo, like I said. So uh, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. I know we've got some great interviews this week. We've got, we got another edition of Parrot Talk and, and also Morphology. Um, I know Murph's talking about someone riding over, over a hundred centuries. So, um, fascinating interview coming up and who knows what's in store of Paratalk. There's always fascinating topics that Andrea touches on. So always look forward to hearing those episodes. So, um, shows, you know, being, been going, this is episode 40 at this point. So holy cow, 40 editions. So, um, you know, really sneaked up on us. Um, here we are, you know, Halloween week. Uh, hopefully all the kids out there are enjoying their trick-or-treating uh, this week and just, just have a good time out there, have a safe time out there. Um, also, you know, the time change is coming up. So if you are out there biking, um, you know, later in the afternoon, early in the morning, you know, make sure you got lights out there. Um, if you can be brightly colored, um, reflective clothing would be great. But, you know, it does get dark pretty quick here in, in the state of Iowa and, and all throughout our country. So, if you are riding out in the late fall, early winter, you know, still keep riding, no doubt about that. But, um, you know, make sure you're seen. We want you to be safe. Even if you're riding a trail, whatever, make sure you got lights. Make sure um, you bundle up, stay warm. You want to be um, warm out there as well as hydrated. No matter what the weather is, uh, you can always have fun out there on the bike. So we always say, you know, the best day or worst day on the bike always beats the best day in the office. So, so extend your season. Uh, you'll be glad you did. So just a couple things coming up. I know we've got people for bikes draft that is coming up on Thursday and you know, to, um, you know, pretty much it's over at single speed. We've got a couple of speakers that are going to just, just talk about basically cycling, you know, so kick back, have a cold brew, listen to some cycling, talk to some friends, uh, meet some new ones. That's what drafts all about brought to you by people for bikes, they're just doing some great advocacy work throughout our country. So um, I, I know I'm going to see Charlie Cooper uh, and Doc B down in Florida next week. Uh, our good friends from People for Bikes, always great seeing them. Uh, they come on Ragbri, um, big sponsor of Ragbri as well. So great stuff that People for Bikes is doing throughout our country. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, Mark and I, and also Andrea and Scott will be going down to the Bicycle Tour Network's National Bicycle tourism conference and it's over in st pete beach um we're putting on a couple of the the speaking sessions there on behalf of ragbri or the iowa bike coalition but there's basically speakers from all over the country all over the world really and we're talking different things about bike tourism anything that's bringing cyclists from from other parts of of the country or, or your state coming to your area for cycling. That's what bike tourism is all about. It's not just the big events like, like Ragbri or Ride the Rockies or Cycle Oregon. Uh, if you've got a great trail, 
you know, people come from pretty much all over to ride, say, the High Trestle Trail or the Chautauqua Trail or, or any of the great trails of Iowa. And I know a lot of people from here go down to the Katy Trail and different trails like that. So that's what bike tourism is all about. So we're definitely going to be touching on stuff like that, learning from learning from some of the best in the country and take back some good ideas for, for this area. So really, really looking forward to that. Um, so just some other things. I know Rag Ride registration is really, really right around the corner. Um, next thing you know, November 15th will be here. So, you know, just a couple of weeks away, we open up registration. Probably saw our new logo. That kind of kicks off the season, but, uh, real excited when, when Rag Ride registration rolls around. So, uh, you know, just like I said, just, just get out there and keep riding. Um, you might not want to take that road bike out on, on roads when you got, you know, slick conditions, you got leaves falling and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe slow down, ride a hybrid, you know, maybe ride a, a fat tire bike, uh, maybe go on gravel for a while. So no matter what, you just want to get out there and ride. So be safe again, looking forward to this edition of the Jisco bike podcast. It's number 40. Hopefully Mark will be back. Uh, I know we're leaving for Florida soon, so hopefully we'll get some interviews down there in the Sunshine State going back home for me. So um, really looking forward to that. Okay, let's get to the show. Hello, Just Go Bike podcast listeners. This is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. I'm here today with Dave Wiedemeyer. Hello, Dave, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Murph. Hey. So a little background. I met Dave many, many years ago on RAGBRAI, and I've always known him as a strong cyclist as well as a pretty good beer drinker, not to mention stellar hacky sack skills. I don't know if people still talk about hacky sack, but we'll get to that later. Recently, I learned Dave is on a mission. This man has completed 112 century rides. Not 12, but 112. And he's still planning to do more. So let's get started. So Dave, is it okay if I call you Dave or do I need to call you Hacky? You can call me either Dave or <laughs> Hacky. I'm fine with either one. Okay, great. So Dave, what exactly is a century bike ride? Well, simply put, it's 100 miles in one day. And um, that's about it. Um, and the rides vary on difficulty that uh that's basically 100 miles so 100 miles on your bike at one time it's not like over a week it's literally you start in the morning no. you end in the afternoon or evening yeah i think pretty much you have to be do it all in one day wow all right well how or when did you decide to do a century bike ride in every single state well it wasn't an original goal um but i've i've lived in chicago Cincinnati as well as you know Iowa and now St. Louis and so over the years living in those different cities I had done one or two rides in those states as, as well as the neighboring states and uh, so that kind of got me started and um, then I had a lot of ragbri patches and I wanted more patches mm. so I started googling century rides with patches and and some of them were in different states. And so I started going to different states to do rides to get patches. And so over the years, you know, at some point, I don't know when it was, but at some point I realized I'd done quite a few states, like over half. And so then I thought, well, 
maybe I should do the other half or something like that. Wow. And so, so event, it slowly it became a goal, but it was never like 20 years ago. I just decided I was going to do it. And where are you now on your goal to do a century ride in every single state? Well, I've done 46 states and also Ontario. Um, so I have Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Hawaii left to do. Ooh, if you need anybody to come with you on the Hawaii trip, I'm sure. I know. <laughs> I would vo- you know. I would volunteer, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there. Would You should make that your 50th. I, I plan to. That's going to be my 50th ride. Oh, to, yeah. You know. Go to Hawaii and do it and all that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember this and keep keep my eye on you, Dave. Make sure that that fifty. Yeah, I'd love one. to have you join us. <laughs> That'd be great. Okay, so so how you decide to do a century ride in each state is it significantly based on the patch or the medal or the award you get? Well, it's not so much the patch anymore or the medal. Um, it's it's a lot of various factors. It's a lot of times I try to find the toughest ride, you know, that there is to do in the States. Seriously? And you do a lot of, yeah, you do a lot of Googling and, and it depends on the state. Like some states, they don't have many rides, century rides at least to do. Like North Dakota, you have about one or two options and that's it. Um, and other states, you know, the mountainous states, then, you know, you can go find the toughest ride and, and go do it. And, uh, and then sometimes I'm on a century ride and, you know, you're at a rest stop and you see everyone standing around and, you know, they're all wearing their jerseys from other tough rides they've sure. done, you know, trying to look like a big man. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, as I've gotten to the point where I stand around these rest stops and I'm looking at everyone's jerseys and then I'm like, well, done it, done it, done it as I look around. And then I'll see someone wear a jersey from a ride that I've never done. Nice. And then that will make me think, hmm, I'll have to check that one out and maybe I'll do that one. So it it all depends, and sometimes it's it's it has a cool T-shirt design or a cool jersey design, yeah. and I'll do it for that reason only. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a lot of various factors. Wow! And so, and just as a side note, back to the your patch comment. So uh, we may maybe we'll try and find a picture and put this up on our podcast uh, website. But Dave collects these patches from all over you know, besides century rides from Ragbri, from other events. And he's got this denim jacket that's completely, well, I'm, I'm going to think completely full of patches. Is it, is it completely full? Yes. It's completely covered with patches, the sleeves, front, back, everything. Um, and it, it's to the point where it's not even comfortable to wear anymore. <laughs> um, it's, it's hot because of all the patches. It's like a second layer it's, and it's heavy. Wow. Um, I only wear it a few times a year. And I've actually started on a second coat. Oh, my. Um, and that one is comfortable. I, I wear the second denim jacket more because it's just comfortable. Sure. <laughs> well, it doesn't have that extra layer of fabric on it from all the patches. Right. I was going to say that you should put it in a frame, you know, like people do with football jerseys or baseball jerseys. But then you'll miss out on all the patches that are on the opposite side. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'll never frame it, but uh, but something uh, I'll have to decide when I write a will who I'm who I'm going to give it to. Oh yeah, it's great gonna, idea. It's going to be a big deciding factor. Great idea. But I also have T-shirts. I have boxes and boxes of T-shirts from bike rides that someday I think I'll hire someone to make a quilt out of all of them. Very cool. So yeah, but that's that's a few years off. Sure, sure. 
Well, back to the actual Century rides. Do you have any good stories or nightmares about a particular ride? Oh, particular ride. Well, you know, they say that half the fun is getting there, but sometimes it's not ha- that fun getting there. Um, <laughs> there's always, especially if you're flying somewhere with your bike, that's never too fun. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, one particular story. I remember when right when 9-11 happened and I was supposed to fly to Toronto for a bike ride the the Friday after 9-11 and I didn't even know you know because all the flights had been suspended around the country sure and I didn't I was driving to the airport that Friday morning I didn't even know if my flight was going to take off ah. <laughs> but it did and uh and I got to go to Toronto and do the ride but um you know one that's that was a strange thing but sure I don't know and then the other thing I always notice when you do bike rides in other states People have never heard of bike sandals or seen bike sandals. Seriously? Seriously. And and so at, at this point, when I go do a ride, like I just did one in New York in the Finger Lakes region about a month ago, and I got on my bike to start riding, and I said to myself, I wonder how long it's going to be before <laughs> someone comments on my bike sandals, because it never fails. You, when you do a bike ride outside of Iowa and you're wearing sandals, People have never seen them, and you get the same old comments like, "Oh, you, you must have forgotten your bike shoes at home, huh?" <laughs> and, and you know, and you know, and if it's a really hilly ride, and they see you going up steep hills wearing sandals, and they don't know they clip in, sure. you know, they're like, "Whoa, dude, you are hardcore!" And, wow. <laughs> and I just, I always have to say, "Well, no, they clip in," and and I always tell them that you know, on Ragbra in Iowa, everybody owns a pair of bike sandals. Right. Every bike shop sells bike sandals, and then outside of Iowa, they've never heard of them. That, and I don't. That's crazy. I don't know why Shimano. Yeah, Shimano definitely needs to do some marketing on their bike sandals outside <laughs> of Iowa. Well, maybe they don't and need to. I, maybe they sell so many in Iowa, they're like, "Yep, we're done." <laughs> that could be why. But at this point, I I kind of feel like I'm the Johnny Appleseed of bike sandals because I'm. <laughs> I'm out there spreading the word in all these different states whenever I do a bike ride. Well, maybe if someone from Shimano is listening today, they can be like, I need to find this Dave Wiedemeyer because he's doing us a good thing. (laughs) Right. They should pay me for all the endorsements I'm doing. (laughs) Well, do you remember how or why you got into bicycling? Well, it all started with Ragbri. Um, 1989, I was in grad school living in Ames. And three other guys from my fraternity, we decided to do Ragbri, and it all started with that. Wow. And, uh, and, I, and I missed it in 1990 because I had just started a new job in Chicago. And then I started up again in 90, and I've been doing it every year since. And so really, Ragbri was what got me started, what made me, you know, work out and get in shape before Ragbri. Sure. And, you know... It's, it's that was that was the main motivation <laughs> all those years ago. And I know firsthand that you still do ragbri because I get to see you every year. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I there's so many times I want to do a century ride in some state that but it conflicts with ragbri. I'm like, oh well, no, I can't do that ride because it's the same time as ragbri. Right, right. I I can't miss ragbri. I agree. We should probably give a shout out to. Uh, the Ragbri team that we both uh, are part of, which is Team Stiff. Yes. Sh- shout team out to Stiff. Team Stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. Yeah, they are a great team and a good, good bunch of hacky sack players. <laughs> but, uh, 
That's, that's the main reason I joined Team Stiff was because they played Hacky Sack. Really? Okay, so <laughs> yeah. l- let's just get to that. So also, you're known as Hacky Jedi. Like, you're Ragbri famous as Hacky Jedi. So what is that all about? It's just a nickname. Um, I picked, I was playing Hacky Sack with uh, a bunch of guys, a lot of them from Team Stiff, and uh, we were all debating who was the best Hacky Sack player in the circle. And everyone's trying to come up with their own little title, like, you know, someone said they were the hacky, the prince of hacky sack. Someone was the <laughs> king of hacky sack, and and I blurted out, I said, "Well, I'm a hacky Jedi." And, uh, <laughs> I trying to top them, There's, you know, and and it kind of stuck. Yeah. And I'm so. gonna guess none of those guys still have their names, hacky names. No, no, didn't stick with them. Yeah. But, uh, I would say probably uh, yeah, the, the first 10 years I knew you, I didn't even know your first name, which maybe you could say the same <laughs> about me, but you were known as Hacky Jedi or the Hacky, Hacky Jedi. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. even even uh, when I talk to you now, I'm like, hey, Hacky. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't know my real name. They just know me as Hacky or Hacky Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's that's awesome. I remember one, one time someone who had known me for many years was tried to sell me a raffle ticket and she went to write my name on the raffle ticket and she had to stop and look up at me and say you know i don't even know your real name (laughs) (laughs) and that was after knowing her for over five years (laughs) oh that's great that's great and it's happened to me a few times too because everyone calls me murph but anyway so what keeps you coming back to iowa for ragbri is it the experience is it the people is it a little bit everything well you know after having done rag ride 28 years it's it's more than just a bike ride for me uh, it's become a reunion and sure. i'm sure you know that too is a lot of the people i see in rag ride it's the only time i see them is that one week out of the year and so it's it's really just become a big reunion now and uh, and it's still a great time and the route's different every year and um so it's you know i can't i can't give it a give it up it's in my blood yep I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what kind of biking do you do for fun, or are you always training for your next century ride? No, you, you got to intersperse a few party rides once in a while with the serious rides. And um, so, you know, I, you know, there's the stiff ride up in Iowa. I do Tom Rav, which is a serious ride, but it's still a lot of rag bright people doing Tom Rav, and so that's a lot of fun. And I should say Tom Rob Tour, Mississippi River Valley. Okay. Um, is the ride. Um, and then, you know, there's a tweed ride or some, you know, some party ride somewhere you, you know, do once in a while. And then there's rides down here in St. Louis. There's a Tuesday night bike ride club, kind of like, you know, you have your Wednesday night biking club. Uh-huh. So there's a Tuesday night ride here in St. Louis. And there's an organization here in St. Louis called Trailnet. They organize bike rides on Sunday mornings throughout the summer. And uh, so I'll go do those. You know, they can be anywhere from 40 to 60 miles. So they're good training rides to get me ready for the next century ride. Sure, sure. Good. Well, uh, thinking about Ragbri, I'm sure that you've had a piece of pie uh, throughout the years. What would you consider your favorite pie? Well, I have to say raspberry. Raspberry. You don't, you don't see raspberry pie very often on Ragbri, and uh, I don't know why, because raspberries always get ripe in July. Sure. So you think you might see them, but if there's no raspberry, I'd have to go for peach. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Very good. Very it's good. It's a tough call. It's like, you know, Sophie's choice of pie. You know, you can't, <laughs> don't make me choose. You, know, but... <laughs> you just want a piece of pie. Give the guy a piece of pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to you. And best of luck completing your last four century rides to get to every every state. Well, thanks. And yeah, I can't wait to get them done. So. And hopefully I'm part of that one in Hawaii. Yeah, we could yeah. we could I'll do a we could do a live pie, podcast from Hawaii. That'd be great. That would be excellent. <laughs> All right, listeners, I'm going to leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Baldi's Law. Some of it, plus the rest of it, is all of it. Think about it. Well, hey there. This is Pear Talk. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Um, I thought I would talk today about an article that I was reading on bikeiowa.com um, entitled UIPD Report Large Increase of On-Campus Bike Thefts. Now, I find that to be very alarming because I love my bike and the last thing I would want is for some Yahoo to steal it. And I'm sure you probably feel similarly, although you may have a beater bike or like something that's not as valuable, but I still love my beater bike. It's still my bike. You know, I don't want anyone taking it, some jerk off the street taking my bike. Um, this article is specifically about the University of Iowa um, saying that there have been nearly two and a half times reports of stolen bicycle over in 2017 over a 10 month period to a similar period in 2016. Uh, so that's specifically that's 74 reports of stolen bikes in this year alone. Um, which is a lot of bikes. And that's only the ones that have been reported. Now, that doesn't include any of the bikes that were abandoned or um, that were taken and then found or whatever and not reported. Um, so I thought I'd talk about um, how to lock up your bike a little bit um, because I don't want that to happen to you, you know? And this is in no way legal advice. This is just stuff that I have found to be helpful over the years, stuff that I think that you should keep in mind. Um, and a lot of keeping your bike safe while it's outside is planning ahead and um, just maybe thinking a little bit about how a thief would think about your bike. Um, for example, in the article they mention that it's not necessarily that the bikes weren't locked, it's that they weren't locked properly. Um, this one poor guy that they quote in the article had his Surly stolen um, because he only U-locked the front tire to the bike rack. And I'm guessing that was a quick-release tire. Um, and so the thief simply lifted the lever and took the rest of the bike. Now, how the thief wasn't seen um, wheeling half of a Surly around downtown Iowa City, I don't know. It's possible they just threw it in their truck and drove away. You know? Cause that stuff happens because some people are jerks. And they will, if your stuff isn't locked down, they're going to take it. Especially if they're drunken jerks. Um, because there are some of those in Iowa City. I will tell you. There's a lot of awesome people in Iowa City that would never touch your stuff and would uh, report a bike being stolen if they knew it was being stolen. But if the bike thief is smooth, you may not know that they're stealing that bike. Um, they also said that there's a popular trend with people Frankensteining bikes and taking different pieces from different bikes and creating a whole new bike from what they can scalp off of a bike rack. And I find that I mean, while I see that it's possible, I find it hard to believe that people are actually commonly doing this because think about how long it would take to make a whole new bike out of different pieces from a rack unless you had 
were able to obtain most of a bike from one and then a small piece from another because how do the parts match up? And how long, if you see a person making a bike next to a bike rack, you're going to be a little suspicious of that unless it's the dead of night. Um, Like I said, it could be possible, but I feel like it's more common that people are just scalping pieces off of bikes like, oh, look, this seat has a quick release lever and I'm going to take it. Or, oh, wow, that tire looks really easy to pull off of that bike, so I'm going to do that. That seems more likely to me. And I, you see bikes downtown all the time that don't have seats or back wheels or whatever. Um, and when I was in college, I used to have a seat lock on my bike. Was it the most um, hardcore defensive technology that ever existed? No. But my seat was a quick release, and it made it just that much harder to take the bike seat quickly. So I was more likely to catch any thief in the act. Um, so if it's easy to take off in less than five seconds, lock it down. That's my advice, especially anything quick release, basically anything you don't need a special tool to remove. Um, so if you need, if you can get away with just using a U-lock and locking your front wheel and your frame together, great. Um, but a lot of times you need a U-lock and a cable lock or just a really thick, heavy cable lock or a chain Although I would hesitate to use a chain that was just a real, like, actual metal chain because it might scratch your paint. But they do make ones that are covered in the fabric-type material. Some kind of material. I don't know. Um, They make all sorts of different kinds of locks. And it's up to you as far as price point or strength of lock or, um, you know, quality of the defense. Um, And it kind of depends on where you're parking your bike. Because if you're parking your bike at, say, the coming tap, you know, off of a bike trail with 100 other bikes versus downtown Iowa City where bikes get stolen all the freaking time, you may want to consider a different defense. Or if you're on this long biking journey and you need to weigh every ounce so that you're not hauling 100 pounds of bike chain, you know, versus a trip downtown and you don't really care how much you're carrying because it's only a two-mile trip, um, you know, circumstances kind of are different. But the important thing is just think about what you're doing, consciously lock your bike, and Make sure that it's as secure as possible for the scenario. Um, The other thing is to pay attention to what you're locking your bike to. Um, I've seen a lot of bikes locked to poles in which you could just lift the bike off over the pole and there it's not locked anymore. And they can take the bike somewhere else and cut the lock off and bam, free bike. Um, You know, trees are okay. I've locked my bike to a tree in Iowa City before and had it impounded and then had to pay to get it out of the pound, so to speak. Um, So it's really best to lock your bike to a specific bike rack that's been sanctioned by the city or provided by a local establishment. Um, And then you're sure it's not in the way or like it's not going to get run over by a car on accident or, you know, it's just too chancy to lock it to something that's not official unless you're really sure it's out of the way and not going to be disturbed. Um, As far as keeping your bike secured at home, um, that's kind of a whole nother story, but I just say in basic, um, just make sure it's not open and easy to steal. I've heard a lot of people who have had bikes stolen straight out of their garage when they walked away for a few minutes. Um, How easy is it to either keep all of your bikes in your garage on a really long cable lock or to simply close your garage door when you're going to be leaving for even for a few minutes? I mean, it takes literally not even a whole second to press the button on your garage door opener to shut it down while you're going to be out gardening in the backyard or whatever. Um, I don't even keep my bikes in the garage because I always forget to close my garage door. And um, 
<laughs> I don't want to risk it. So I just keep them in my basement. But I have room to do that because I don't have a lot of other stuff. So, um, you know, it just kind of depends on your situation. When I was in college in the dorms in at Butler, we used to have what like a bike room inside the dorm where you could park your bike in a specific room and lock it to a bike rack like in the basement of the dorm. Um, but And I started off by doing that with my road bike. But um, I came down there one day and my bike, um, what do you call it, uh, cable lock had been cut halfway through as if like maybe they had heard me coming down the hallway and ran away, they being a thief. Um, and after that, I kept my bike under my bed in the dorm room, but it never got stolen um, and it was very safe. Um, so it just kind of kind of depends and you have to just really be aware of places that seem safe but actually aren't and what's your comfort level like. I didn't have anything else to keep under my bed in the dorm and I, I didn't mind hauling it up and down the stairs to stash it there, you know, but if you lived in a different scenario, that not, might not be possible for you. Like my bed now, I don't think the be- bike would fit underneath of it, but <laughs> I'm an adult now and I have a place where I can keep a bike. Um, but so it just kind of depends on, you know, just be aware, be thoughtful that people can and will possibly steal a bike if possible. Um, okay, that wasn't the best sentence that I've ever spoken, but um, I think you get my drift. Um, just be aware, be thoughtful, um, take care of your bike babies, and, um, you know, lock them down. So if you have any other thoughts about how to lock your bike or um, safe ways to secure your bike when you're going to be away from it for certain periods of time, you can give me your thoughts. Uh, at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'd love to hear them. Love to hear some new ideas as to how to, you know, lock it down because, you know, it's always good to think about that kind of stuff. Um, or if you have a question that you'd like to ask me about bikes, bike locks, really anything, um, you can send me that question at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com and I'll squawk at you later. to the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike podcast. Again, I was flying solo today. This is TJ from Ragbri, and we just wrapped up episode number 40. Unbelievable. 40 editions in the can. So I I really just want to thank you, the listener, for each and every week tuning in. Um, Pretty much about a thousand people a week have kind of tuned in. Some of them are a little bit more, and we have a couple of celebrities or some, some interesting topics you know, we've got up to oh, over 4,000 people, but um, really want to thank you that, that come in each and every week and, and you know who you are and we hear from you here and there. So if you got something to talk about, don't be afraid. Hey, give us a text, give us a call, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, send us an email. Um, but you can also subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast at SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, any any of those will work fine. SoundCloud is is one of one of the best at you know making sure you lock into your podcast each and every week. I know I'm a big proponent of that. So lots of great stuff happening. I know we're about to hit November. Um, you know registration right around the corner for Ragbri. Not too many events on the bike calendar uh, f- for the state of Iowa. Uh, I know the cross schedule is really picking up. So um, you know hey. 
get some try something new this this fall okay just doesn't have to be a road bike just doesn't have to be on the trail so don't be afraid to you know expand expand your horizons you know maybe take take a bike on gravel maybe try that fat bike uh i think you'll really enjoy it so like i said earlier you just need to get out there and ride it doesn't matter you know if the if the tire is is in centimeters if the tire is five inches thick just get out and bike all right have a great week hopefully mark will be back with us next time and have a great day Again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.